What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Man, it's been two weeks. I feel like I'm starting all over again. Like I didn't even know what I was doing, and uh, here we are. So now I have to like get back into the swing of things. So what we got going on here? First things first, we're we're gonna have uh, Eric from BCPOV. If you guys know who he is, right on. If you don't, where have you been? definitely a huge channel so does it'll, it'll be fun to talk to him i have actually never spoke to him i don't think i have other than just chatting on like online so anyways so first things you guys know how this goes if you guys want to sponsor this channel and help it stay alive it would be great if you could do that and the best way to do that is to swing by patreon.biker.com and um, sign up for one of the tiers there i have two right now a dollar a buck a month. It's like buy a like when you buy a beer for at the bar and you tip that dude a buck. It's the same thing except for you get to watch me what drink all the beers. And if you do five bucks a month, you can get a sticker pack and the um the good warm and fuzzy feeling inside, knowing that you're filling up the beer fridge and maybe buying some bike parts or some camera camera gear or something like that. Honestly, the Patreon people is what keeps this alive. I was thinking by now I'd be like rolling in the sponsorships, like just like throwing money around. But apparently that's not the case. And you guys are the you guys are the biggest sponsors. So if it wasn't for you guys, I think I would probably wrap this up by now. So I appreciate all the support. Those of you guys that are thinking about it, you should you should do it. It's 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 definitely it, it makes you feel good, especially for the holiday season. You'll be like feed starving children in Africa or put beer in biker's fridge. Make up your mind. It's up to you. <laughs> if you don't want to do that and you just want to you just want to support the channel some other way, hit the subscribe button or the like button. That's awesome. Also, if you want a little more content for free, then you can swing by Instagram or Facebook and look at, at @bikerb1 and follow me there. If you guys happen to throw up a super chat while I'm chatting, most of the time I, I I I am like, "Hey, what's up? Thank you." But sometimes in the middle of a conversation can't always can't always uh tell you how much i appreciate it so i'm just do that right now so i appreciate that anybody that decides to do that and um i think that's all i got for today so we're gonna go ahead and bring eric on and uh, get this party started what's up eric how's it going not bad man how are you good i want to say we have actually talked before have we yeah i, I just remember, realized i got chicken wings remember sauce. off camber Oh yeah, that's right. That was yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, a long time. That's a, I think well, at least once we talked on off camber. Do you remember what the topic was? There was um, some good ones on there. I think it was riding at night, like oh, night riding, night riding. right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I, I haven't done since that episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of year, though, right now. It yeah, is. I actually, um, two of my night rider, one of my night rider lights, just recently, um finally came to the end of its life and so i just bought two new ones so i'm kind of anxious to go check them out it's um hmm. you know the days are short at this time of the year so if you want to get good rides like midweek rides in i guess that's the really? way to do it but i guess you know for those of you uh youtubers that don't have a, a regular nine to five job to go to i guess you can ride during the day all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much as soon as i quit my job i didn't i just stopped night riding yeah right there's no reason <laughs> yeah well I, I will say when i first started night riding it was like like especially the first couple of times it was like whoa it's like as if i'm mountain biking for the first time yeah again it just felt so unique and different yeah and eventually i kind of like got over riding in the cold and the wet and yeah, especially yeah. up here in bc it's always cold and wet in the winter so yeah I know. yeah 
That's definitely, I, I think one of the things that I enjoyed about it most when I got into night riding was it just made all your trails like new again. You totally. Know? Yeah. yeah. And, and you ride them in a different way. And actually when I, I had instances when I went back to the trail during the day uh-huh. and I'd written something at night, um, but I didn't want to ride it during the day. I was nervous because I could see a lot more, but right. night, you're, it's almost like you're wearing blinders, right? Because yeah, for you sure. just see where the light is shining. So yeah. Yeah. There's funny. definitely some spots that have some like uh, some, uh, oh God, I just drew a blank on the word. Um, whenever it's like exposure, that's what I was looking for. Some, oh, some yeah. spots that have some exposure in the daytime, I'm kind of nervous, but at night you're just like, you just see the trail and that's it. So you're like, there's no cliff. I don't think. <laughs> so go ride into all those cliffy trails in in the night. <laughs> right, that's what I need to do in Sedona. Just night ride in Sedona, and I'll be good. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how long how long you been doing your channel now? Uh, I've been full time for like two and a half years. Uh-huh. So it would be a little less than three and a half years, I guess. So you did yeah. it for about a year before you went full time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome, man. So let's let's let, I guess let's take a step back. How'd you get into mountain biking in the first place? Uh, I rode mountain bikes as a teenager. Uh-huh. Uh, we happened to live at the bottom of a bunch of mountain bike trails, and we always saw people riding up the hill. Mm-hmm. And I guess eventually, maybe we also had some friend at the time that rode, and they took us up, and we went on like full rigid bikes back then, and. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we got uh, uh, f- full like a, a bike with a fork, a hardtail with a fork yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. And then um, yeah, so I did that for a few years, and then I got like a real job in the city, and I uh, stopped riding because I figured it was time to get serious and have a career. Right. Which was really stupid because I moved to Vancouver, where a lot of the best riding in the world was <laughs> at the time, but I, I had no clue about that. Right. And then, um, I don't know, maybe like uh, 12 years later, a friend brought a mountain bike to a picnic and I just asked if I could mess around on it and I, I could still do drops and stuff and uh-huh. bunny hops. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm having a lot of fun here. Maybe I should get a mountain bike and get back into this. So, and then oh. that's kind of maybe, I think like seven or eight years ago is when that happened. So, oh, really? I, yeah, but I wish I'd never quit in the first place because I feel like I'd be like so much better <laughs> right Dude, now. I, know. I totally yeah. understand. Yeah. I did the same thing. I think it was like right around the end of high school, you know, and, and then I got in the military and, and you know, started a family and stuff. And and I, I didn't ride for about 10 years yeah. and then I decided to get back into it. Same kind of thing. And it was just like, the, the passion and the love was still there. And it was the same thing I think about. It's like, man, where would I be if I wouldn't have took that time off? But yeah. Uh, so but I think bikes have gotten a lot better now yeah, than they were. Yeah. And I think it's actually more fun now than it was. Right. How, how old are you? When I first started? No, like how old are you now? Oh, how, oh uh, 38. 38. So, yeah. So you're a few years young, younger than me. Not, not too many though. So you probably started in the late nineties then when your, your first time. Yeah, I guess probably 97 yeah. or 98. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the bikes have definitely come a long way. I mean, totally. even in, 
I started again back in 2006, I think is when I started writing again. And even in the time from then to now, it's like crazy how much the bikes have changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And just the trails have changed as well. Like people actually like put thought into their trails now, whereas yeah. back then they're pretty janky and maybe often old hiking trails or something like that. Yeah. When now I first, there's like berms and jumps and transitions yeah. and all that, all these kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, you guys have some pretty crazy stuff up there where you're at. I know when I started back in Pennsylvania in like the nineties, it was exactly what you said. It was like hiking trails or like where they had taken out railroad tracks. Like that was nothing like what it is today. It's just totally, like, totally, totally crazy compared to and, and back then we thought, you know, we were like doing something crazy, you know? Yeah. But I guess, you know, they were fully rigid bikes and whatever, you know? So everybody's always, it was so much harder back then. I, I guess that's what, you know, the kids like 20 years from now are going to say like, you know, can you believe they rode without batteries? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 That'll be interesting to see is it in 10 years, everybody's going to be on e-bikes and it's going to be ridiculous to not have one. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. We'll be like the old timers just hanging on for whatever reason. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awkward, yeah. That's funny to think about. It definitely, definitely is. So, um, what got you to the point where you, you were like, well, I think I should start a channel. Uh, I'd say the, Biggest motivator was probably Brian from BKXC. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw him and I was like, oh, it's funny because like, yeah, he, he was being successful and, and um, riding his bike for a living, or at least that's the way it seemed to me. Yeah, right. And then I was like, oh, I'm a better rider than Brian. Like, especially <laughs> when he started, he's riding with his thumbs on top of his bars yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and oh, I'm better. That's all I need to be is a better rider and rider than Brian. I'll be successful. It's totally not the case at all. Like, yeah, it's, it's everything. It's almost everything, but riding, you know, that, right. that makes, makes you successful. So, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, took me a bit to figure out how to be successful on YouTube. And, but, uh, yeah. And then I guess also Nate Hills. Um, but all he was doing was being a really good rider and, and showing right. it off. So I guess that there's two sides to the story there, but yeah, right. I think, yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough balance. You know, I think that it, it you know, and, and YouTube's like weird because like some people are like, that's all they want to see is like the super crazy good rider, like Nate Hill, you know, yeah. and they're okay that he doesn't talk and you know what I mean? And like, that's all mm -hmm. they want. And then there's the other end of it that want a story. And then when you like mix them up, like you get, you know, 50% of the comments that are like, which is you would shut up. And then the other half that were like, ah, you know, like the other end of it, you know? Yeah. 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 You kind of like, in some ways, like uh, these kind of critical comments are good, but other times you just kind of have to ignore it because it's just like someone that's kind of doesn't like the change. And, yeah. And, uh, they yeah it it's basically you you have to be happy about what you're doing not not really the commenters yeah so, totally. yeah yeah if i listened to everybody in the comments i would be all over the place <laughs> yeah occasionally there's like a, a good few notes in there or whatever but uh yeah, yeah. Uh, often they're like 
if they're critical, then there's just like, oh, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, there's, um, there's one of our friends that always just tells them like, go ahead and make a video about it. You know? <laughs> and like, yeah. And, and I think that's a unique answer because it's like, once people try, they, they definitely would change their, their tune. You know, it's just so many things to it. Like where you're like, I mean, how simple everything looks on GoPro compared to like when you're standing there in real life. You know, like some of the stuff that I see you ride, I'm like, oh, that looks a little steep. So I know if it looks a little steep on GoPro, it's like steep as fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, totally. But um, it's, yeah, I'm not even really talking about that. It's more like people, like, like you said earlier, they wish you just shut up or like, oh, yeah, oh the music's yeah. too loud or, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, you got to kind of, keep plugging away and doing your own thing yeah. and in, and then, yeah, like some, some, some criticism is good, but uh, often it's just kind of uh, misses the, misses the point, but yeah. And it, as for people that are telling you that it doesn't look steep or gnarly or just, just, just to just send it. Well, that's also kind of ridiculous too, because everybody has their own ability and yeah. being able to tell that story of, of not being able to do something is super relatable for like 90% of the people out there because everybody yeah. runs into that problem. And um, yeah, I think that's also partly why we, we do so well is because like all the pros are so unrelatable. They're so good. Like you watch a Brandon Seminuk edit and pretty much everything he's doing is something I can't even fathom doing. Right. And you know, so it's like, Totally. It's like a completely different thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think what I was getting at with the GoPro thing was just like, once they get out and they try to make a video and like how, how, how it's not as easy as it seems, you you know what I mean? Like once you you know, you take this video and you think it's going to be like the sickest place that you've ever ridden. And then you go, you look at the video footage and you're like, Oh wow, I'm not going that fast. It doesn't look that steep. And what was I talking about? Like, it didn't even make any, you know what I mean? Like you, you yeah. start editing and you're like, Oh my God, this is great. It's, it's definitely way more to it than, than I thought when I started even, I mean, I started similar to you. I, I was watching Brian and I was just like, I wish he talked more about like what was going on in his life or whatever, instead of just the, the trail. So I was like, I think I can do that. I'm not a great writer, but I I'm good at talking. So like, mm-hmm. So I started under kind of that, that, you know, perspective and, um, he's definitely in, you know, intrigued a lot of people to get started, I guess you could say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've told him before, like he's, I feel like he's like kind of the, the guy that started the, the whole kind of YouTube mountain biker wave, I guess. Like he, he would say it's Nate Hills, but I feel like he, he really inspired a lot of people to do it. Yeah, and Nate Hills was the guy that inspired him. Right, but I feel like him and Nate are, are quite different, actually. So, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to Brian for that. Yeah, yeah, and I think the thing that was really interesting with his channel is that you know you really got to watch like this guy chase his dream and like quit his job and not know how to pay the bills, and it was like just like it was like watching somebody do what you'd love to do. 
You, you know what I mean? Like everybody would sit and, you know, ride their bike on the weekend and be like, this would be cool if I could just do this all the time and quit my job. And then you're like watching somebody do that. And you're like, yeah. this, this is so cool. You know, totally. I, I always tell him though, I think that he like, like, and, and you kind of said something earlier when you were talking about it, like he made people think that you could be like, quit your job at like 5,000 subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he well, he he took a leave of absence or something yeah. at that point, and but like he he was right though, and he yeah. did the math. Like he he could like extrapolate from where he was at and where he would be at in a year, and it made yeah. sense. And the leave of absence made sense because like if it if it did go pear shaped, he'd just go back to his yeah totally. pants job or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you you said you were you were working corporate America. What what did you do before you um, decided to be a YouTuber? Corporate Canada. Corporate Canada. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I don't know if it's corporate. I don't know if it's counted as corporate. I uh, I was a artist at a video game company. Oh, that's really cool. So I would I started out making like video game characters, and then I moved into environments and buildings and things like that. And I think I did it for like seventeen or eighteen years. Yeah, and uh, by the end there, I was getting pretty sick of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when I saw Brian on YouTube, I was like, "That seems pretty good to me." Yeah, it seems way better than this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at the start, like I, at the start of that career, I was super passionate about it, and yeah, I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, like working, making video games, making art for video games. But um, yeah, the I kind of fell out of love with it. And um, by the end, I was like, just, you know, really unhappy. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and I think uh, a lot of it was just like, yeah, just how games were being made mm -hmm. now back versus like 18 years ago mm -hmm. is quite different. But um, yeah, I, I think. I think I probably would have gotten bored at with it either way had, had games stayed same or taken a different path. But yeah. Yeah. So you're always a creative person then though. So, I mean, like, I think that's probably what appealed to you with the YouTube side then. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd never really done any like legitimate video stuff, but mm. um, yeah, in high school, I had a fantastic teacher that he was uh, basically, th this is how I got into video games. He's, he was basically like, if you can prove to me or show me what you've learned after each term, then and you and you can grade yourself and you can prove what you've learned, then then yeah, you can grade yourself. And basically, I gave myself an A every single time. But I, <laughs> but I had also learned a ton because I was so passionate about it back then, uh -huh. like to make 3D stuff and 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 animations and and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, I would just like spend every day after school in the computer lab, like figuring all this stuff out and so uh i guess uh, i was my point was is that basically he taught me how to teach myself yeah to do stuff so that's partly why i was confident enough to get into youtube is like oh i i can figure this out like yeah I, i've taught myself a lot of other things i can i think i can figure this out um so yeah um but yeah it, i've always been messing around with computers and art since yeah. I don't know, since I had access to like an old Macintosh when I was in grade six or something. So, yeah, but yeah, I, can I can definitely relate there. You know, and I, I think that um, when I started in IT, I was super passionate as well. You know, like I could be up at 
three o'clock in the morning, like putting up some web server just because it was fun to do, you know, or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, over time, yeah, it just it, it's definitely not as like it, it's not the same as it was then. So I can relate with you in that aspect. And I always tell people and like my kids when I, you know, they were in the house more like if you do whatever you're passionate about, you, you, you'll be successful because you, at least for me, like it's real easy to be like, 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 like encompassed by it, you know what I mean? And spend all your time with it because you really enjoy it. So that's, um, that that's, that's, that's good. You know what I mean? And it also is, you know, it's fulfilling as well. So. Yeah. I tend to like, if I'm really into something, I'll just do it. That's all I want to do. Like, it's like my focus and uh, to the detriment of other things, like during that high school period, like I was, I started out as like an honor student and uh-huh. like I was in honor math and stuff. And then like, by the time I graduated, I was like barely passing my classes because I was so focused on doing the computer stuff. Like, yeah. But that's just how I, how I work. I, so. I, I, I call that an all or nothing personality. It's on the same way as well. And mm-hmm. it, like a lot of the guys that are on YouTube have that kind of personality set. Yeah. I, I think I so. to get started with it. Like that's the only way that you could be because like, if you come into it and you're not like, like putting so much time into it, you're, you're going to take forever to get to a point where you're like good at it, you know? Totally. Like, at you least, know what is it? It's like you need 10,000 hours to become an expert or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for so, sure. Yeah. Something like that. I'm probably still working on my hours, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> But like YouTube is like, it, it feeds that because it's so quantifiable. Like you have all the numbers you can see if what yeah. you're doing is working and you, it's just like, in a way it's, it's almost addicting. Cause you're just like, all right, well the next I can, I, the last video I did this and this right and this wrong. And then I should continue and, and improve on the next video and, and th- this kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you started your channel, you were doing more writing and less talking. If I'm yeah. Right. Oh, no talking. Yeah. My yeah. very first video is just like, I think maybe four or five minutes down a trail here in Squamish. And I don't think I spoke at all except for until the end of the video saying that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So what was, what helped you transition through that? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that are starting a channel or they want to. And like, that's definitely one of the things that's difficult to learn is like how to communicate to the com- the camera. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't feel I'm very good on camera, uh, which is why I do so much voiceover, but yeah, I saw other channels. Well, Seth, obviously he's uh, basically the ultimate mountain bike YouTuber. And I was like, well, how can I get some of his success? And uh, I realized, well, I really need to start telling a story here. Mm. And uh, so I started working on that. And, but I, you know, I almost kind of stumbled into it because one of my first videos that actually took off was um, it was like, I rode this really, really difficult trail up here in BC and I called the video the hardest trail in the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I had such a bad day in the bike. Like it happened in the, in August and I just like, what do I do with this footage? Like, I know there's something good here, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized over time, like, Oh, I need to like kind of explain what myself, like why I'm doing so terrible in this video. 
I need to do a voiceover. So I voiceovered that video mm-hmm. and it, it ended up doing quite well. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should be doing more voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a person I was talking to recently and they were like, I was like, oh, you should start a YouTube channel. And they were like, oh, I don't have like the personality that you have or whatever. And I was like, honestly, that's not the secret, you know, like for some people, like maybe like, you know, somebody like me or Bobo, that's real animated when we're talking and stuff like that. Mm. that, That's what works for us. But I was like, dude, there's plenty of channels where the people tell the story with their voiceover after the fact, you know, and, and Seth is a perfect example. You're a great example. Like a great story and a great video doesn't have to have somebody that's like, you know, this like super Mm. animated person in front of the camera, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of guys that get success quickly have that personality, Mm -hmm. but if you can write a script and tell, and tell like like a cohesive story, Mm -hmm. then that helps a lot. I think because if you're just winging it in front of the camera, um, then there's less of a cohesive story there and and more about the personality. Yeah. A a good example is like Alexander. He was just, uh, just focusing on uh, uh, just POV talking to the camera and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he like switched over to more of the voiceover style Mm -hmm. and actually even though he posts less, his channel has grown like way more than yeah. before. So yeah, there's definitely value in being able to like tell a cohesive story for sure. I didn't understand that when I was starting, like I really didn't understand it. Like I would be like, yeah, you got to tell a story. But what I would do is go out and just make a like record and then yeah. figure out kind of what the story was whenever I got home, you know, and it'd be like going through, Oh, the story is that we did this ride. And that's like what I thought that, that, that meant, but Mm. now I, I get it now, you know? And it's like, no, you actually have to have like a plan before you start shooting. Like, yeah, maybe a lot of my videos, I don't actually have a, like, they're still writing videos, Yeah, but then I pull the story out of that and write a script around that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it make like his, the there's this uh, saying at Pixar, which I was always a huge fan of growing up, that story is king, and and it's not their their movies are so amazing, not because their graphics are amazing, but their graphics are the best in the industry. It's they're amazing because the story is so good, yeah, and they spend so much time on the story. So, yeah, yeah, there was another channel that I was watching uh, recently not my mountain bike related and basically you know they were kind of getting at that where it was like even if you do one video a month but that video does let's just say a hundred thousand views that's better than doing four that do ten you, yeah. you know like so like take the time and and tell the story yeah. to you or whatever but it's you're you're putting you're risking more right yeah you're putting more time into um like basically one video a month so, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, over time you kind of like, I think you kind of figure out where, where you should be at and then you can kind of change your strategy as you go, as you get more confidence in, in your abilities and things, things like that. But yeah. Yeah. So do you think that, um, like as you started to change from the ride videos, like that's what actually like made your channel grow. Cause I mean, you're, you're a sick rider, dude. Like, honestly, you're, you're I'm sure that you're humble and you're like, no, I'm not that good, but like, you're a really good rider. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes it doesn't feel that way when <laughs> when you're like riding with a pro or something. Right. And you're just like, what the hell? Like, and it just destroys your confidence. But yeah, I'm I would say I'm a pretty decent rider, but I'm nowhere near that pro pro status. Not yeah. even close. And it's funny, like I remember one of my videos, like I in some way I compared myself to pros as in I was not a pro. And then one of the comments or oh, what was it? I forget what it was, but in the comments, someone in the comments, it was like, totally thought I was a pro rider. I was like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, yeah. It's uh, the, the range from like novice to pro is just massive. Like it's just uh, unbelievable. So yeah, I, and plus, like, like for example, Nate Hills, like he is definitely a better rider than I am, right? But like, he doesn't tell a story, so yeah, he's not growing as fast as a lot of the other guys who do tell a story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, it's like, how much, how much of it do you think is like luck, though? Too like that like the algorithm just like promotes your video or you think that no matter what, if it's a good video, it'll get like seen and recognized. Um, I think, I think the algorithm actually does a pretty good job. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. I think it's really hard what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I think they're doing a pretty decent job of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's sometimes it's frustrating. Like I, I put out a hiking video, which obviously does not resonate with a lot of my audience. Right. So, obviously it makes sense for YouTube to promote that video to my audience. Cause YouTube doesn't really know what the content yeah. of that video is. They just yeah. take what the reaction from the audience is. So I wish it was smarter at like promoting that video to the proper audience, mm -hmm. the hiking audience, you know, cause there's like a lot of hiking channels on YouTube too. Mm -hmm. that get, 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 get a ton of views, but, um, yeah, so I, I think it actually does a pretty good job, but I think it also, you need, there's definitely a certain form factor that you have to, you know, you have to make a certain type of video for YouTube for it to be successful, I think. Yeah. Like you can put, like, there's a lot of Oscar winning films that if you stuck on YouTube without, without the previous recognition, they probably wouldn't do that well but they're actually really fantastic movies, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but in terms of luck, well, it, if you think about just me in general, I feel like I'm quite lucky because I'm like a white male that grew up in a, a first world country and I speak English and this is like a great thing for YouTube, right? Because mm -hmm. mountain biking audience is like 95% male. Mm -hmm. and um yeah and i speak english so it's uh, i think that that's pretty fortunate i don't think i would have been able to do that if i'd grown up in in china or any other non-english speaking country you know so yeah that's a good point i didn't yeah. really think about that you know people that I, I i just assume that there's like you know a german version of us you, you know what I mean? Like, like, I would assume that there's like a Taiwanese guy that's like, but even like, there's the German version of us, and I, I think there are. Yeah. Well, one example is Fabio Wilmer, but that that doesn't quite count. Uh -huh. But like, if you're just gonna like the fact that the English, 
I speak English. It's still just such a massive audience. But the German, like if you're if you can only speak German, then it's a way smaller audience. Yeah, it's the Germany, Germany and Austria, I guess. Right. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fortunate, I would say. Yeah, for sure. To be able to speak English. Yeah. So, so um, is the country that you grew up in French speaking or? Uh, no. Uh, well, Canada's French and Canadian speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm sorry, not the country, but like the province or whatever. Cause isn't it like oh, some of the provinces are like French speaking and some of them are. Yeah. English. Quebec is French speaking. Uh-huh. And then uh, basically the further you go West, the more English it is. Basically uh, Quebec is the only province that where that's like the, the official language. Oh, I see. And then every other province I think is either English and French. Mm -hmm. So like, it's almost like a gradient. The further you go west, the less people speak French. Mm -hmm. So the surrounding provinces of Quebec, a lot of people speak English and French. Oh, I see. Yeah. Are you just English? Yeah, my French is terrible. We, <laughs> we were forced to take French in high school, and I hated it. <laughs> my French is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, my my parents are Dutch immigrants, so I can speak a little bit of Dutch. But uh -huh. yeah, I was born in Canada. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, some people say I have an accent, like I, and not a Canadian accent. I have, there's something else in there, but I don't know what they're talking about. Me. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. So you're plugging away at your channel and um, things are getting better. You're learning how to tell a story. And what point is it that you're like, how many like subscribers or was it like money or something like that, that you were like, okay, I think I can quit my job. Cause I mean, obviously being a video game designer, it's not like you were making like minimum wage. You had a pretty right. good job. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I think I, I can't remember in, in context of like where I was at with the videos, like mm -hmm. how, like my quality of videos, but, mm -hmm. uh, I knew that I was making enough income to like, scrape by especially with a van mm -hmm. and so yeah i quit my job and i also knew that if i quit my job i could put more effort into the channel mm -hmm. so so the idea was yeah. oh well, let's get this van and then we don't have to pay rent anymore and exactly. go down and then let's see what happens in worst case scenario we come back in a few months and go get another job is that kind of the thought process yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't have a plan to get another job. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, I remember telling a friend, like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be, be like a mountain bike guide or something. Uh huh. But I, yeah, I you did were not want to go back to games. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, living in a van is extremely cost effective. Like, right. Like, even though we still had monthly payments on the van, like, it was still like, a quarter or a right. third of the price of, of monthly rent in Vancouver. Right. So yeah. And it meant you could travel. And to me, it was like a no brainer. Yeah. Like for me, yeah. money was, is never been like a super, like I've never been super motivated by money. Mm -hmm. I totally would rather have experiences and, and other types of, of success. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I totally hear you there. I've been trying to talk the lady into it. She's not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> into a van? 
Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, yeah, you could get a van. Go ahead. But I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> if you told me eight years ago that I was going to be living in a van, I would be like, what the hell? Like, it it takes, like, some, some like, you have to, like, mentally accept that. Yeah. And you have to be comfortable with that. And for us, it started with, like, we had, like, a Honda Element that we put a bed in the back. And we'd go, like, on, on two, one or two-week trips in that. And I guess that kind of got us comfortable with the idea. Mm -hmm. And then like my wife, Yuka, she's always been like a way more adventurous traveler than I have. Uh -huh. And when I mentioned like, yeah, we should build a camper van. She's like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> like instantly. Yeah. Even, even when I was like, uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely the right choice. Yeah. So how did, how did you guys end up meeting in New, in New Zealand? Uh -huh. I, yeah, so I, I, maybe that was a, maybe my first introduction to van life because I went to no, New Zealand solo and I bought a camper van, like a pretty crappy one over there and just was driving around there for two months and having a great time. And then uh, we were going to, I planned on doing a hike in on the South Island called mm -hmm. the Milford Track. And um she happened to be on the hike at the same time as I was, uh, which was really lucky. Um, and then the other gr great thing about the hike was, is not super great in terms of being a hiking it, but every, since it's such a popular hike, you have to like hike just from hut to hut to hut and you have to stay in each hut every night. Mm -hmm. So you see the same people every night and she was always there. Oh, right on. Yeah. And, um, we, I, we made a bunch of friends during that hike. Um, um, but yeah, I got to know her and she was working in a nearby town and by the end of the hike, we, we were hanging out a bit and I said, Oh, do you want to, do you want to come travel with me in my van for a while? <laughs> and, and she quit her job and she joined me in the van. So right on. And then, yeah, after New Zealand, we went to Thailand for three weeks and then she came over to Canada. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's funny how life takes little turns like that. And, you know, like next thing you know, here you got, you know, a partner. You know? Totally. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was like probably the best, one of the best situations to meet her in because you already, she's already doing this fairly hard hike solo. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this person is obviously like, this has the same interests as me and, and, um, you know, can ha handle a bit of stress and, you know, uncertainty and, and things like this. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it was good. That's good stuff, man, yeah. for sure. So, so basically whenever you're like, I want to quit my job and get this van, she's like, yeah, let's do it. Like not even, not even. Yeah. yeah. Well, she had already been like getting a little anxious and wanting to like move on because she had been working a, a day job in Vancouver for two years by that time I think and she was uh we need to go travel we need to go do something and it, it can't just be for two weeks or three weeks or something so yeah she was totally down with it and yeah it was what, what's uh what's surprised you about um living in a van that you didn't think was going to be like um I don't know. Yeah. I guess recently, like, I guess I already kind of knew what to expect because I had already done it a little bit like in New Zealand and then with the element in North America. But uh, 
maybe I didn't expect a pandemic in living yeah. in a van. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, not fun when you can't travel. Like we had travel restrictions here earlier in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just like, like you and I were arguing a lot and like, it's not fun when you can't travel around. Like there's, there's nothing about it that is fun anymore. Like the whole point of the van is to be able to travel and see new places. Right. But, and then, um, yeah. And then when you can't travel and then it gets cold, it gets even worse. So, right. yeah. So we've actually got a place for the winter here now. Yeah. And back in when, it, when, back when we were, uh, when we get to the spring, we'll, we'll go back in the van and start traveling again. So totally makes sense. Well, and, and also you have an injury as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Broken scaphoid. So, uh, yeah, I basically, I can't do anything right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I might uh, try to get on the trainer for a bit. I like, uh, like I mentioned before, went went for a hike and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really just want to be able to ride my bike. So is that yeah. affecting you? you know, like um, emotionally? I know, like when I don't ride, I um, I I definitely get a little twisted up because that's like my way of of like releasing stress and whatever you know. Totally. Yeah, it's there's, there's good days and bad days and. Uh, and, um, it, you also get stressed out with the channel because like, like, okay, well, I'm not riding anymore. What's my next video going to be? Because it's, you know, like <laughs> it's a, it's a most, most videos are, are riding. So I got it. It's in a way, maybe it's good. Cause it's forcing me to try something else, but, huh. um, yeah. And then like this cast is not really fun to edit with like huh. using a mouse and stuff. It's just like pretty frustrating. And I can only like do that for, I don't know like intermittent spurts before I get like really like over it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine. yeah. How long do you have to wear the cast? I don't know. <laughs> Originally it was supposed to be six weeks, but then I went to the, the doctor and they x-rayed it and they're like, uh, it's not really healing at all. So oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. So they hopefully I think that is uh, pardon. Why do they think it's not healing? What's that? I said, why do they think uh, it's I'm not sure. They, I'm a little frustrated with them because they don't really tell you much. They're just like, okay, where I'll see you again in three weeks or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't. I'm going to see the doctor on Tuesday again, so hopefully I can get some more info out of them or yeah, something. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a little tough when like yeah, because the first the first like prognosis, yeah, you got to wear the cast for six weeks and then you'll probably be good. Mm-hmm. But so I was like, okay, I can do six weeks. But then when they said, okay, it's not healing, then that's when I was like, it kind of hit me. And it's, it's kind of, it, I, I didn't, that was a bad day. I, I wasn't feeling too good after that when yeah, I yeah. thought I'd be walking out without a cast and, and they told me, okay, see you again in three weeks. So yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I can imagine, I can totally imagine. I am. Um, like did a really bad shoulder separation a few years back and I, I couldn't get on, I couldn't ride for like almost six months and it was, uh, it was really tough, man. It was really tough for me because like I said, I mean, like that was my way of, of like, like that's pretty much my whole life. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like there's other things that I do for fun, you know, but like realistically, like I spend, all my time, my free time, like riding mountain bikes or doing a channel about riding mountain bikes or, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
definitely um i mean i didn't have the channel back then but it's it's tough man it's tough like and if i was to go like hiking for example like all i think about while i'm hiking is like oh this trail would be cool on a bike yeah (laughs) so yeah i know i I had the same exact like i broke this scaphoid um four years ago Uh and i was out like it was a pretty terrible timing too it was the during the summer i broke it so all my friends were out riding and yeah yeah. and yeah you try to get out for hikes and stuff but you just like i wish i had my bike (laughs) i mean you don't like hike down a hill and be like man that was really fun yeah like oh it was beautiful you know but it wasn't like you get like you don't get that adrenaline kick you know totally so (laughs) i guess it gets you out there it's better than nothing yeah definitely i mean and i think that there's there's something soothing about being in nature, you know, so that's, that's definitely good. And obviously any kind of exercise is good for you as well, but it's still, it's just not, you know, the same. And I feel like maybe then it like kind of digs into you a little bit more. Cause then you're thinking about it. Cause you're out there. You're like, ah, I could be doing this other thing, you know, like, yeah. So, totally. so you guys jump in the van and start touring around. Didn't you guys go to Japan too, right around then? Yeah, that was before I went full time. Full time. Oh, right before you went full time, because I remember the cat video. That was oh, like yeah. the first videos that, like, for whatever reason, like I knew your channel. I would watch stuff here and there, and it was like, but that was like one of the first videos where I was like, this guy's telling really good stories. Yeah, actually, that was, I think it was yeah, that was another one of those videos where I tried to do something a little different, and I, I was really that was like kind of like the hiking video. I was really hoping it would do well because it's like. Yeah. The internet loves cats and they love Japan. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was like, oh, this is going to blow up. It totally yeah. didn't blow up. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried but that. Yeah, we, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. We did uh, two months. That was actually another precursor to van life because we did two months in the van in Japan. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So we were riding all over Japan and uh, in a, like one of those mini little K vans. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's a very small van, but it actually turned out to be fantastic. Like it's a great little vehicle, and then we slept in it. Like it was perfect place to sleep. So oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. It, do you speak Japanese too, or no, not really. No, it, really, like like maybe twenty words. Yeah, uh-huh. but well, yeah, obviously Yuka's fluent. Yeah. Okay. So that's her nationality, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she yeah. grew up over there, or whatever, or like. Yeah, she grew up over there, and then she uh, she uh, basically left in her early twenties and went to uh, Australia and New Zealand and uh-huh. uh, learned English over there. Oh, that's basically cool. jumping in the deep end. And uh, yeah, I met her in New Zealand. But yeah, her family's like, "Well, why would you go there? Like, no, you don't speak English and all this." Stuff. She's she's just so adventurous that she's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give it a try." So, and, and she spent like. Yeah, th- three years over there. So, I'm always intrigued by people like that. You know, yeah. Like, I, I'm like on the outside, I seem like I don't like like no fucks given. You know, like but like I'm definitely very calculated in everything I do. You know, and so it's like to be like, you know what? I'm gonna sell a house. I'm gonna freaking like you did. You know, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna get this van. I'm like, I just like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, like, yeah. It's but definitely. it's been like easier and easier to do like yeah is it like internet on your cell phone is is so good now and uh-huh. yeah like like 
30 years ago, it was way harder to travel around. Now it's like, you just look on your phone and you just drive straight there kind of thing, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, did uh, I would imagine some of your travel or a bunch of your travel plans got messed up this year. So what are you, what are you looking at for next year? Yeah. Well, we were planning to go to Alaska this summer. That was the plan. Um, but yeah, obviously the borders are closed. So yeah, we're hoping to do that next summer and uh, hopefully the borders are open. Uh -huh. um, but if we can't, then BC is a pretty fantastic place to be in the summer. So mm -hmm. yeah, but maybe there's also quite a bit of riding in Northern BC and stuff. So yeah. Uh -huh. Cause you, you guys tooled around the States for a bit last year too, didn't you? Cause I remember you were in Sedona yeah. and did you get back East too? I don't remember. Yeah. Last, last, when do we, we left like last August and we drove across Canada to Quebec cause there's a lot of good riding there. And then we drove South through like Vermont and, and uh, Georgia and all the way down to Florida. And then we drove oh, wow. back West uh, through like Bentonville and Austin Mm -hmm. into california and stuff and then so we did a big lap and then the year before that we went down to mexico and rode, rode a whole bunch of stuff in mexico and yeah it was good times yeah, yeah. what's what's uh like the top you know a couple of places that really stick out to you from from those trips uh yeah the the desert stuff is always like the most interesting i guess uh, Why because it's so different than bc uh -huh. so like like uh, Sedona and Moab, it's just like crazy red rocks everywhere. And it's, yeah, it's just so different. And the riding is actually quite good. Like uh -huh. got a lot of gnarly stuff, which I like to ride. Uh -huh. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And then the other one that uh, surprised me was Florida. It was really fun. Really? Yeah. They, like the around Tampa, like the scene there is pretty massive and they're building trail all the time. They're building good trail, uh -huh. and even though it's flat it's it's been like a lot of the mountain bike areas in florida are built on like old phosphate mines so they have like a little bit of elevation they can work with mm -hmm. but it's like surrounded by swamps and stuff so it's like just really cool and interesting and so well like, built or like mr tonka is or like where seth started kind of area yeah yeah totally right on. Yeah. yeah that's interesting you know it's 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 always cool like going somewhere else and seeing how their trail builders like do things you know like the the trail systems are always like so different it's not like you you've ridden one you've ridden them all you know it's just like they're you're like oh wow these guys like build with lots of berms and they do this or these these guys build all these like wood features or these guys do these drops or the you know what i mean like really there's a trail i rode recently and it was just like just the train itself like the way that the rocks were like popping out of the trail all over the place, they had like just these like little natural booters everywhere just because like, that's the train, you know? And it was just yeah. like so much fun to ride because you were just like, you just felt super playful, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Part of, yeah. That's like, that's why traveling is so fun is you get to experience something new yeah. while still doing the sport you love. So yeah and um yeah it's just good um and you just get more experience in a different place and and you, you get you can kind of expand your skills while you're there um i really believe like you're the you're basically a product of what you ride mm -hmm. so if you ride a lot of 
tech janky stuff, you're going to be really good at tech janky stuff. Or if you write a lot of jumps, you're going to be good at jumps. So, yeah, yeah, you kind of do both, though. I mean, yeah, I think because of the traveling, I've gotten better at jumping. Uh huh. Because there's a lot of places have jumps, but here in like in North Vancouver mm -hmm. and and Squamish, there's not that many jumps and if there there are then they're like gap jumps and it's really hard to you know convince yourself to do a gap jump with very little jumping ability right because then you do like a big road gap not too long ago that was like a, a video yeah drop yeah that was yeah eastern bc yeah but yeah it's the last summer has been fantastic because i've been gaining a lot of confidence and i've been riding with a, a good friend of mine who's been towing me in some basically everything uh -huh. and um i've like i really it's been great riding with him because i trust him so much like mm -hmm. he, he's not sketchy mm -hmm. you know like i have a lot of friends that would do that stuff but they're sketchy and i don't trust them like i don't trust their their um you know their sense of personal well-being you know like a, a lot a lot of guys will just send it yeah yeah they don't really care what the results might be um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's one friend he's just like really calculated and if he doesn't yeah. if he doesn't think he'll he can do it he just doesn't do it uh -huh. he does like he's yeah he, he never scares you when he does something so how do you see into that you you just started small or like is it really like the friends telling you in is what really like helped you uh yeah well starting starting small helps a lot right yeah, yeah. you got to build up to stuff so and then yeah, bike parks are fantastic because you you start small and then throughout the day you you gain confidence and you start going bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. so we have quite quite a few bike parks here in BC uh, and you and I've been visiting we visited pretty much all of them mm -hmm. so it's uh, you get a lot of riding in in a short time so mm -hmm. yeah and then even the states we visit a whole bunch of bike parks and yeah. So yeah, I can understand how that is because like I, I recently did a little trip up the bend and a bunch mm -hmm. of the trails that we were doing had like a lot of like tabletops and stuff like that. And I'm not much of a jumper. Like I don't really like it's just I'm more into like the janky technical stuff, you know. Yeah. But by the end of that trip, it was like, oh dude, I'm like clearing this tabletop, you know, like yeah. I, you know, I oh I get it, you know, and like I could see where if I lived somewhere where that had a lot more of that, like I guess like like uh like Josh like it seems like there's a lot of jumps where he lives um in yeah. what is it I'm Bellingham Bellingham yeah I I think the reason partly why it, there's so many good riders there is that because they have such a wide variety of trails like they've they've got the janky stuff they've got tons of flow jumpy stuff like mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty much a paradise there like they have everything there really whereas like uh, up here in Squamish is it's world-class trails but there's not a lot of jumping stuff recently they've been adding more mm -hmm. but it's I've, like after driving through the states mm -hmm. i'm like oh bc's really like a lot of places in bc are really behind on like these on on the jumps and flow trails mm -hmm. it's like a lot of places like in redding i don't know if you've been you live in norcal right mm -hmm. yeah in redding like they've got the enticer trail it's just a fantastic well-built jump trail Mm -hmm. like, why don't we have this in bc like we're supposed to be like the mountain biking capital of the world but right. so but yeah like bellingham is like if you can if you have a wide variety of 
trails at, at your disposal and, and you can ride them all well, you're going to be like an amazing mountain biker relatively quick. Yeah. I yeah. think that's partly why Josh is such a great rider, I think, because of where he lives. Yeah, I definitely attribute you know a good part of it to that. I mean, obviously, you know, there's other things that come into play, but when you live in a spot like that, it's definitely easier to do as well as like where he lives. It's like five minutes from like pedaling out of his garage to be on like good trails. Like where it's like 30 to 45 minute drive, no matter what, you know, totally like you wanted to go to a bike park. It's like 20 minute drive, you know? So like having the ability to be able to just like roll out your door and get in, let's just say 30 minutes of riding and come back like that. That's um, that's worth a lot. I think that's the one thing that's like making me really feel like I want to move from where I'm at right now. Hmm. Like, because like, you know, um, my kids are, 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 my daughter's graduating this year. So she's the last one in the house. So at that point it's like, there's nothing that like really keeps me to where I'm at ge- geographically. And I've moved a lot in my life. So now I'm just like trying to figure out like, where can I move? That's going to like, let me ride more, you know? Yeah, totally. And you have, you have a ton of great options. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, during this pandemic, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind being an American citizen because it's, uh, you have so many places you can go year round. Yeah. Whereas up here where we're, I'm like stuck in the, the Southwest corner of the province. Cause everything else is snow up here. So uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing time to be an American actually. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, pandemic kind of. I was hoping to go to to BC this summer. That was one of my like big trips that I wanted to do, and the pandemic kind of put a kibosh on that. But hmm. fortunately, you know, we have like Tahoe riding here, which is like really really good riding, and I don't know why, but it just doesn't get the like fanfare that a lot of other places do. Hmm. So I definitely am not feeling like I'm missing out by like riding in Tahoe. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Oh yeah. California has got tons of great writing. Yeah. 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 It's just a lot of it, you know, it's, you know, you gotta, I think one of my friends said he thinks the reason that Tahoe doesn't get as much like excitement about it is because like a lot of the good trails, like there, you actually have to ride, you know, like put in the effort to get up to the top and do the, the trap, the, the, the ride and it's at elevation and it's a big, big ride. So it's not like somewhere like, let's just say Whistler, for example, where it's like this huge lift access place that, you know, people can go and ride all kinds of stuff all day long. You you don't have to be like ready to go climb from 6,000 feet elevation to 9,000 feet of elevation for two hours before you can descend. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like mountain biking is, has all sorts of skill sets and uh, definitely being able to pedal up a mountain is one of them. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. But uh, you, yeah. you, go ahead. Oh, it's just, that's uh, why this it makes the sport so good is you, you can enjoy it in so many different ways, you know? Yeah. You, you can be a trials rider or dirt jumper or XC geek or, you know, park rat. There's so many ways to, so many different aspects of it. You know, when I first started riding in the nineties, it was like, if you were a mountain biker, it was like one bike to choose. Like it was like the the road bike that had knobby tires. Right. Totally. Now, like what you said, I mean, like 
you when I got back into riding in 2006, I remember I went into the shop and I was like, hey, I want to get a mountain bike. And and they were like, OK, you want an XC bike or a trail bike or a downhill bike? And I was like, I looked at the guy and I was like, a mountain bike. I, I want a mountain bike. <laughs> you know, like and and even now it's like, you know, changed you know, more from that. So it's it's tough. You know, it it's tough that there's a lot to learn, you know, to get, even get started now. Yeah. Like yeah, how- it's it's funny like for me cuz I'm such like a self learner. Uh-huh. That it's just like, well, obviously I'm going to I'm just going to figure it out. But I think yeah, for a lot of people it's it's not that way and it's kind of intimidating and yeah. And, and uh yeah. And yeah, they'll take their bike to the bike shop or something, get ripped off and kind I mean, of like swear off the sport. Right. I mean, it's so, like how do you even know what to buy. You know, what yeah. I mean? somebody that's getting into it, you know, they, they see this full suspension bike. Well, that must be good, but they don't realize that, well, maybe a hardtail would be great for where they live or like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they should get into, you know, a 29 or XC bike because of where they live or, you, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. so many options and, and obviously, I mean, if you go into a good shop, yeah, you're going to get treated well, but not everybody knows what a good shop is when they're starting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully they get good advice. Yeah. Or they do a lot of research on their own and, and, and figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. So, um, are you like, let's just say pandemic's gone next year. So Alaska is the only thing, only thing you got on your mind. Uh, yeah, it takes time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like we, we don't want to rush through, driving up there like we want to stop along the way like there's tons of riding in northern bc and in yukon and all that stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess the actually the original plan for this winter was to go to new zealand and uh, they're locked up even more than in, than the states is so um, but hopefully by the time next winter comes around i think we probably want to go to new zealand so i would love to ride there everything i've seen there just looks amazing it's good yeah. now one thing i would say is that they don't have the trail density like we have in North America. Mm-hmm. So like, I remember I, I, everybody's like, Oh, you got to go ride Craggy burn, Craggy burn, which is like on the South Island. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll go ride Craggy burn. And then I get there and uh, it was so, still a good time, but there's only like two or three trails at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is weird. Everybody, this is like the hot spot. Yeah. Where, like, like in Squamish, there's just, I don't know, there must be at least a thousand trails here. Like it's just yeah. trails every, like every small town in BC is going to have like 10, 20 trails at least minimum. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Why do you think it's so popular up there? In BC? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think part of it might be that like, um, is it super building easy? illegal super. trails is not that frowned upon? Yeah. Like in certain that. areas, it's, it's, like getting tighter and tighter, but it mountain biking definitely started on rogue trails up here. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and there's a lot of land with not much on it. And, and people are just, and we also have a lot of logging roads, like a lot of logging. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to get up and you, even with a truck often, and right. you can shuttle and then you just uh, cut a trail. Like originally they cut a trail going straight down. Right. That would turn into a big rain rut eventually, but, and, and then maybe also like in relative terms, it's 
a cheaper sport to do mm-hmm. compared to like moto or car racing or you know so i think it's pretty accessible in that way so yeah. but yeah we we've got mountains and i think that helps a lot right yeah, yeah. definitely that's interesting it's interesting to think about you know what i mean like why why some place like that like takes off the way it does but i think it's probably a lot to do with what you said about the rogue trail building not being like frowned upon you know it probably i think a little bit has to do with that yeah because i know in in the states it's definitely a lot tighter in certain areas yeah like well you always hear about like marin county and stuff like yeah marin's horrible yeah. Uh, oh, marin yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. or like yeah i mean marin's basically like the birthplace of mountain biking and they're like anti-mountain biking you know it's like why you know they could they could really like milk that you know and like totally get into something else or like for example i'm sure you rode like santa cruz while you were here mm-hmm. yeah like that's a great example of like here's the this trail system that you know could be or is already probably bringing at least a million dollars of revenue to that city annually if not way more mm-hmm. you know and instead of them like embracing it and like building more trails and like they're constantly like you know trying to give people tickets and keep people from riding there and it's like why like like i don't understand like why you're you're what is it i don't get it you know i just don't understand i don't understand like trying to keep people from like doing something outside (laughs) you know what i mean well i think often in a more populated area there's more opposition yeah. So like in North Vancouver, all the trails are like basically in people's backyards, mm-hmm. like their backyards lead into the mountain. So there's definitely more op- opposition there and more re- restrictions. Mm-hmm. But then you have like towns like Squamish or even there's like lots of small towns that are like actually focusing on mountain biking as tourism. Right. And uh, it's like they see it as a super valuable part of their economy, their local economy. So, Yeah. But yeah. it's it's pretty crazy up here. Like if you drive from BC or I mean from Vancouver up to like Whistler on a weekend, mm-hmm. it's like every fourth car has like a bike rack or a, or bikes in the in in the box or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's every fourth car is like a mountain biker. Is it's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. It was it was pretty similar when I was in Bend that way. Like it was, mm. you know, like that city is really full of mountain bikers, a lot of them. It was kind, yeah. of, kind of crazy to see that, like, it that accepted, you, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, people move to where the good riding is, so that yeah. then you get these little hot spots, and yeah, it's awesome. I think overall, though, mountain biking is really um, becoming like more and more mainstream. Like, definitely, totally. Like, I mean, even five six years ago, like you got on on the freeway to go to the trail system and ride, like you might pass one other dude that had like mountain bikes on his car. Yeah. And like, you're going to the trail system now and you're going to pass. And even if you're just driving that direction now and you're not going to ride yourself, like you're going to see like two vehicles, three vehicles maybe that have, have bikes on them. And you're like, that's definitely way different than it used to be. Is it, you you know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. And to get to back why it's so popular, I think just generally is, it's like a, pretty inclusive sport like mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a hard sport but it's not as hard as like skateboarding or bmx or yeah like it's pretty much 
almost every demographic can can ride a mountain bike right and um i'd say it's like it's almost like skiing in that way skiing i would say is still an easier sport uh in terms of you know being able to do it but mountain biking is is pretty close i think especially with a modern mountain bike and modern trails it's just like you know i i would think that skiing is harder than mountain biking i mean like at the beginning level you know what i I don't know yeah um at the beginning level Hmm. i guess it depends where you start because here in vancouver or in in, uh, like i i remember i i tried to get some friends into mountain biking i took them to north van uh-huh. And I took him down like the green slash blue trail uh-huh. on on called bobsled, and all three of them like crashed, and they all swore it off. Two of them injured themselves, and one was crying by the end of it. <laughs> so, but then with Yuka, um, I took her to uh, like the easiest place I could think of to to like get her into it, uh-huh. and uh, even then she still crashed. But she's she's pretty hardy. So yeah, it, it went okay, but sure. yeah, I imagine in certain areas it's a lot easier to get into it. But North Van is like not the place to bring a, a novice at all. Like even <laughs> when you when what you think is easy for someone with zero skills at all, it's like it's just like really intimidating, and, oh, yeah. and it's a good chance they're going to crash. So that's yeah. the the skill set is definitely very relative to what yours is whenever you're saying easy or hard, you know, it's really, that's something that's very difficult when I I would imagine you run into this, you know, when you're traveling, like, Hey, I want to go get something gnarly, you know, and that to one guy is something totally different than it is to somebody else, you know? And even the terrain makes a difference. Like, uh, a double black trail in the desert is different than a double black trail up in here in BC because the the surface is so different and you don't know how your bike's going to react in that situation. So it, it takes a bit of time to understand what your bike is going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I, I remember like in like you in St. George, I'm like, if this trail was in BC, I could ride this, but now because it's like, sandy like i don't know how to ride sand <laughs> kind of thing so yeah yeah that's definitely a tough one there's a lot of sand in tahoe so i've definitely mm-hmm. been getting better at that but it's not it's definitely not confidence inspiring you know like yeah coming into a turn and just feeling your front end just be like wishing yeah. you know like you're like yeah it's the worst feeling ever <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. That- you know, like when you get better at it or like used to it, then you're like, oh, I understand how to ride through this. But it's definitely not like it's definitely you have to like play some kind of Jedi mind trick on your brain because your brain's like, this is stupid. This is not the way it's supposed to go. Yeah, that's, that's but yeah. Like all the local riders are like, oh, this is fine. But yeah, yeah. There's this jump line in, in South Lake Tahoe that's like super sandy and I can't stand it because of that. Mm. And uh, like the people that ride there all the time though, like it's not even a deal to them. And like, to me, I'm like, this is garbage. Like, why would you even want to do that? (laughs) Like, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You, like I said, you're a product of what you ride pretty much. So if if you were there every day, you'd be like, this is fine. Yeah. This is great. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So, um, any, any plans of like, like driving South, like all the way, like through Mexico into like South America or anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do that. We've been watching this uh show Long Way Up. Uh-huh. Do you know that show with you uh-huh. and McGregor? 
and Charlie Borman. So uh, it started out as a show where like you and McGregory's from like Star Wars and train spotting the actor. Yeah, yeah. He and his buddy drive around the world through like Mongolia and Russia and stuff. And it's like on motorbikes. And uh, so that really just watching that, you're like, that's such an amazing adventure. I want to do that. So, and recently they're doing the same thing from South America to LA uh-huh. and it's a really cool show. And I, yeah, I just wanted, I've always wanted to do it. And that that's always, that's like really kind of reignited that um, just wanting to go down there and, and drive down there. Uh-huh. The van. Yeah. It'd be great. And there's riding down there too. So yeah, maybe right. not as much as up here, but there's definitely plenty of riding. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, do either one of you speak Spanish? No. <laughs> How did Mexico go then without speaking Spanish? Uh, yeah, we just used Google Translate a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, we pick up little words here and there. I think if we spent like a whole year in Spanish-speaking countries, we'd probably get a little better. But yeah, right. I think we only spent, I think it was two months in Mexico. So we didn't pick up too much. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, uh, you you get, that's part of the adventure though, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, you just, jump in the deep end and yeah like i traveled to japan before i met yuka and like a lot of japanese people don't speak english and i don't speak japanese but the interaction of trying to communicate that like with hand gestures and you know mm-hmm. in your phone is is it's actually kind of fun yeah at least for me it is so yeah i know i i really enjoy seeing other cultures so i can i can understand what you're saying there totally so yeah um, it's really fun, you know, and I find even with myself, like I am more like willing to try something new or different be- just because I'm in their, their country and maybe it's their culture or their, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe say like food things or something like that, you know, where it'd be like, if I was at a restaurant in the U S it'd be like, I am not eating that, you know, but yeah. if you go to that restaurant in their country, you're like, well, I should try this. You know, maybe, maybe it will be good. You know, like it's, it's funny about Mexico. Like I'd eaten a lot of like American Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Mexico. I'm like, Oh, this is Mexican food. Like the American stuff is not Mexican at all. Like, <laughs> you know how you, if you go to a Mexican restaurant, they always sort like give you a huge serving of rice uh-huh. with it. Yeah. In Mexico, they don't do that. <laughs> You just buy you just buy like twelve tacos for like a dollar each or something, and <laughs> like they they don't load up the. It's funny, like and 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 before Mexico, I was like, ah, I don't like Mexican food that much. And then yeah. I went to Mexican food, Mexico, and they're like, oh, Mexican food is amazing. It's just this American version that I, that I don't like that much. So, yeah. We're good at taking a good thing and screwing it up, man. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there's like a there's like a whole gradient in the states. There's like you go from like Taco Bell Mexican, like or Tex Mex. Yeah, and then you can get some pretty authentic stuff, but you need to know where to go. But yeah, totally. Er- everything in Mexico is it's Mexican, right? Yeah, and it changes from region to region too, which is pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, that's super fun. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, I'd like to go down there and ride. That's one thing that. Um, my channel has helped me do is you know actually like riding in different places you know it's like one of my buddies got married and you know we went to hawaii for the wedding and it was like okay well where are we gonna ride you know and like that was even though i was a mountain biker in the you know all along like i wouldn't have like that wouldn't have been in my like thought process you know Mm -hmm. Back, you know, in 2008 or whatever, you know, like it would have been like, oh, we're going to Mexico, it's, or we're going to 
Mexico or like Hawaii, let's go sit on the beach and drink freaking Mai Tais all day or whatever, you know, like, like it, it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the resort thing is like totally unappealing to me. Yeah. Like, like you're going to Mexico, but you're not really experiencing Mexico. Yeah. I'd rather like go to like a, one of the cities and like really experience what, what it's like to be a Mexican yeah. and, and, and live there. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would do that. Like that aspect of it. It'd be like, you know, I, I think I would, I was just paraphrasing though. It's like, I definitely wouldn't think about riding bike when I went somewhere. And now yeah. as soon as I'm like going somewhere, let's say it's like a work trip comes up and it's like, Oh, I'm going to go to this city. It's like, okay, well, what riding is there? Yeah. You know? Well, for me, it's like, I ask where, where can I go that has riding? Yeah. yeah. So it's not that. Yeah. And if it doesn't have riding, well, it's a good chance. I'm not going to go there. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. For, yeah. Sure. for sure. So, um, you've got yourself a pretty interesting bike. How did you end up getting that? Uh, well, my deal with Norco was ending and uh -huh. so I was looking around and I'd always seen, um, so I guess it starts in New Zealand cause I'd ridden a high pivot bike in New Zealand called mm -hmm. a zeroed. Yeah. Yeah. I've ridden those. Yeah. Oh, you've ridden a zeroed. Oh yeah. Super uh, fun bike, man. Really yeah. Bike. And it was a downhill bike and it was actually like, the bike that the shop was trying to sell and they're like, you can only rent this bike if you're actually interested in buying it. I told them like, I'm not interested in buying this bike, but I really want to try it. And they're like, Oh, okay. You can take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I wrote it. I'm like, wow, this bike, this is, this bike has the best back end of any bike I've ever ridden. Like, and then yeah. it was super stable in corners. Cause like the, 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 the wheelbase actually grows as it compresses. Cause the, the axle moves rearwards so it just feels super stable and super good and I'm like oh like oh this bike's amazing why don't more people do this yeah i, I can and say a hundred percent when i rode that zeroed i've never felt so confident in, in turns as that bike like it yeah feels like it like a boat with a keel like just totally. so, so solid yeah and uh, that's the way i felt too and then but obviously it's a downhill bike and right. downhill bikes have pretty limited use um but then Forbidden popped up and they they had a high pivot trail bike. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh -huh. And then uh, they they had always been in the back of my mind. Like, that's a great looking bike. And I'm super interested in that. And uh, so I went. So when uh, Norco was up, I went, uh, I contacted the owner there and we had a couple conversations and it sounded like a good fit. And uh, yeah, they sent uh, Yuka and I a bike and as soon as I got on it, I was like, this thing's awesome. Like I, I made the right choice because it's, it was the shorter, like on the shorter travel side for a bike that I'd ridden. Cause I'd always ridden like 150, 160 mil bikes. And this was a 130. But as soon as I got on it, I'm like, yeah, this bike is fantastic. And I've been riding like gnarlier stuff on that bike than I had on all my previous bikes. So I didn't realize that was only a 130 bike that you were riding. Yeah. That's yeah. It works really good. That high pivot is like, it's funny whenever people ask me about the bike, I always feel like I just start like gushing, you know? Yeah. Like, like, they're like, like, ah, oh, this guy's sponsored by them. Like, I yeah, can't trust them, but like, I really do like the bike. So, yeah. Yeah. What, how much travels on your fork? Uh, it's a 150. Oh, okay. So, 150 up front, 130 in the back. Yeah. yeah. That makes Yeah. Sense. You can run it with a 140 or 150. Uh -huh. Yeah. And even 150 shorter than I'd ever run before on a, on a bike. So yeah. 
but that was fine. Yeah. I feel yeah. like 150 is like the sweet spot. Like I honestly, yeah. it's like not too much and not too little, you know, it can really depend on where you ride. Like, but uh, yeah, on the bike has been great. But yeah, if you lived in Whistler, like mm. it's pretty gnarly riding in the Valley there. Like nothing is easy in Whistler. Uh-huh. So you, you might want a little more travel, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been like, they're actually, it, I don't know if you've seen, but they're, they've got this pro- prototype floating around on the internet that seems to have more travel. And, and it, if it ever came to choosing between the two, I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'd actually want more travel because uh, the, the, the bike I'm working or working with right now is just like, I'm really enjoying it. So, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So where are they from? Where's forbidden from? They're from uh, BC as well. Uh-huh. So they're on, they're, we have an island off the coast here called Vancouver Island. And mm-hmm. there's a small town there called Cumberland, which is like a mountain biking hotspot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're based out of Cumberland, BC. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty yeah. cool that they're local as well. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. How did you get from like, so how did you get into the part where you're like getting like sponsors, like bike sponsors on your channel? Like you just got to a certain subscriber count and they reached out to you or you started reaching out to companies? Well, it started with, uh, so Paul, Paul, the punter, he, he became an agent for a bunch of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, it always had been in my mind, but I, I don't have the confidence or the negotiating ability to even to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the first year with the sponsors, Paul negotiated, uh, four sponsors for me mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, he he was a sponsor for like Brian and Phil and uh Bobo too, I think. Mm-hmm. And um or he was an agent. And um so so yeah, it was um it was cool. Yeah. Um but now 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 he's gone off and done his own thing, so we're all on our own again. Uh-huh. And, uh so I I've I have to neg- negotiate myself. Which yeah. I, to be honest, I don't enjoy doing much at all. Like I feel yeah. so stressed out, and um, I probably take it a little too personally, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but at, at this point, like I only want to work with people that I actually like. I would want to use their products anyway in the right. first place. Right. So, yeah. So for Ben is like that, and then my other one, Noble Wheels, is <coughs> mm-hmm. I would ride those anyways. How'd you get hooked I, up? Noble Wheels, I've been uh, actually my friend. It's funny. It's a funny story. So the owner of that company, we used to ride together as teenagers. Oh, wow. And then he kept riding. And then I got that career and he yeah. uh, kept riding. And uh, I, I came back and I started asking him all these questions about bikes. And uh, yeah. So then I guess we started riding again together. And then I, I, uh, I uh, started to realize that there's these carbon wheels on the market and uh, you can start riding with carbon wheels. So I started to try them out and I'm like, Hey, these are pretty cool. Like they're, they're actually like pretty light and they seem pretty strong. And he's like, Oh, I don't know about that. And, (laughs) but then, then he tried it and he ordered a set himself and he's like, Hey, these are good. (laughs) And uh, he started he started his business like that and he started building carbon wheels and then he like grew it into noble wheels. And, and so now they got their whole lineup of wheels and, uh, 
yeah, they're doing pretty well. And actually, they're they just moved to Cumberland as well on Vancouver oh, okay. Island, so they're like neighbors with Forbidden. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, it's um, <clears throat> although he's my friend, he's it's uh, they're the great wheels, and I I ride them. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, and, uh, knowing Trevor, like he's like he's the owner. He's like really uh, uh, very, very technical about how he builds the wheels. He's very specific. And mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, they're pretty solid. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's, you know, has a smaller channel that's trying to get, you know, to the point to having sponsors, like what would you tell them? Oh, I don't know if I have good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just make like a really nice, um, like visual, portfolio pdf mm-hmm. it's kind of like explaining your channel and with the numbers and stuff and reaching out and and uh if i would personally just work with people that you'd work with anyways even, yeah. even if it means you're not going to make as much money but yeah yeah because there's like another brand that i was talking to and i just didn't get a great vibe from them when i was talking to them and i was like oh, i don't know and, and I don't feel good about this. And so I decided against it. So what yeah. point were, were you like at in like subscribers whenever that started happening, when you could get, you know, sponsorship kind of things? Uh, well, so when Paul started working with me, I think I was at like 40,000 or something like that. Huh. But, you know, I think Paul is very good at that a lot better than I am. Mm-hmm. So I think if I tried to do it on my own, I probably wouldn't have been as successful as, as Paul was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and his big advantage is he already knows a lot of people in the industry because he worked at pink bike previously. So, right. right. Yeah. Uh, whereas I'd worked in video games. I don't know yeah. anybody yeah. in the mountain bike industry. Right. So, yeah. 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 No, I totally hear you there. Like all the connections that I've made or, you know, from meeting people at, at like, sea otter or you know yeah or whatever and you know getting their business card and bugging the shit out of them you know (laughs) i I hate doing that like i it's just i can't find the motivation to do that and then going to show like sea otter i really don't enjoy that at all i find it really overwhelming and yeah and um i'm not a fan of sea otter personally it's just a little much for me too like i I really really like sedona mountain bike festival it's like Hmm. big enough that like there's a bunch of brands there and there's stuff to look at but it's small enough that like you don't feel like like sea otter makes you feel like you're like at like the mountain bike mall you know and yeah I, I don't like going to the mall you know and you're just like there's like you feel like there's just like all of these shops that are like i don't know i just i definitely I'd agree with you on the overwhelming side of it plus it's like it's not like the riding there is good. Like, I, I did a small ride there and I was like, oh, this isn't bad actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's not many trails around in that area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you leave and go to Santa Cruz, yeah, you're gonna have a great time, you know? But, well, yeah, yeah. So. But I imagine it's like a bit of a victim of its own success. Like I imagine it wasn't always that way when yeah. it first started. I imagine it wasn't always that massive, but. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely grown, but. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I definitely really like like the uh, the Sedona one. It, it is like highlight of my year. Like I look forward to going back to it every year. So mm. 
Yeah, I really like Sedona, but I'm not sure if I'd want to go then. And Sedona's already, I find already so busy because there's so uh, many other user groups there, like the, the off-road guys and like uh, people taking those Jeep tours and stuff. Uh-huh. And if if I add in a mountain bike festival, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe it's, it might be too much for me. But I, I could give it a try. <laughs> uh, this is the thing. There are so many trails there that like, it's not like you get out on the trail and it's like just so busy that you're like, this is lame. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Once you get out for a ride for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think and, that would be good. And basically, I mean, you can ride like a lot of different trails, even just from pedaling from the, the event. So it's like, you know, so many different directions that everybody's going. And then some people are just like hanging out at the event and pedaling around there. And, you know, so it's just, I don't know. I think it's, it's, uh, it's just fun. It's just super fun. I hope that it doesn't get canceled this year. I'm I'm planning on going to Sedona that time of the year, no matter what. So if it the event happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm still riding Sedona that in, in that time of the year because it's just yeah, I mean, you've ridden there. It's so yeah. fun riding. Like and it's different. It's definitely like like I'm used to big grueling climbs and long super long descents you know and and there it's like it's really punchy and it's yeah. like but it does have that technical aspect of it you know and it has you know the big rock rolls and things like that so totally i don't know it's just they they do well there we we joke about arizona though that like arizona's downhill has like you know 50 percent climbing so <laughs> yeah well if you go to flagstaff it's actually pretty good there yeah, I, ha I have to go. Yeah. You like it up yeah. there? Yeah, I, I only did like one small ride there because uh -huh. it's by the time we get down to the States, it's pretty much fall there. Uh -huh. And it's pretty cold in Flagstaff at that time and uh, almost yeah, snowing. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, they've got your typical ride up, ride down riding there. Yeah. It's, it's quite good. Yeah. yeah. How does that work with like, like do you obviously you have to get a visa when you come to the states or i don't know how that works with like canadian citizens no we don't need a visa canadians can just come in for six months at a time oh, so you could be here for uh, yeah that's a long time then yeah yeah oh that's and, cool. yeah so it's it's pretty chill yeah um like most people don't have this problem but yeah we have to really make sure we don't overstay because uh -huh. we don't want to get banned from the states if you overstay they don't take it lightly uh-huh they might think you're trying to work down there or whatever so oh, I yeah see. yeah so they like figure that out whenever you're coming back through the border or something like that yeah i think they can they could it probably comes up on their computer like if you drive through with the same plates or the same passport yeah. then they're gonna they'll, they'll see immediately how long you've been away for i would think yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's interesting to think about huh. yeah. so. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's been close for us because like in the past we forgot about the previous time in the same year that we went to the states. Uh huh. So like in that in the time we went, it was actually only five months. But if you added up the time that we went in the spring the year before, then we were actually almost going over. Oh, because you like so forgot you, about it. You're like that. Was yeah. 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 You have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can. No, I don't like. I don't want to lose access to the states. Like, there's so much writing to do there and there's so much like it's a great place to go in the winter and stuff so yeah how does that work with like like uh because you guys have like socialized medicine up there right yeah so like how does that work down here like if you were to get hurt you just go like you just go to the doctor and then canada picks up the bill uh no so what what, <laughs> what happens is um 
so technically Canada picks up the bill, but uh -huh. only for how much that procedure would cost in Canada. Ah, uh, so like whatever extra then. So it's so much more expensive than states. So we buy travel insurance before we go. Uh, okay. And then if there's an issue, then the travel insurance covers the difference. Oh, that's yeah. super smart. I'm, that's yeah. good to know. Maybe someday I'll, whenever I talk the lady into the van, then it's going to happen. I'm going to have to get me some travel insurance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty important. Like, yeah. Cause it's funny. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get too political, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that you guys don't have this socialized medicine down there. Yeah. I've written with a few guys down there. I remember in, um, oh, unprofessional Kyle. Do you uh, know him? Yeah. 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 I was actually writing with him today. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was riding with him today. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so I met him in Grand Junction, and we were riding, like, um, lunch loops and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I got to take it easy. I'm still paying off my last injury. Yeah. Like, and it, it's a lot of money. Like, yeah, like, that could bankrupt somebody, like, just falling off your bike. You yeah, know? yeah, it's crazy. And it, it really, like, puts a lot of economic pressure on, especially young people, if they, if they get injured and they don't have insurance. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, it I, it's a scary thing to be a an American mountain bike without insurance, I think. But yeah, there was a small part, part of my life that I didn't have insurance and it was definitely like it was stressful, you know, and and I mean it it is what it is, so <laughs> I guess, Yeah. You know, all right. Yeah, well, I I'd, I'd probably still ride my bike even if I didn't have insurance, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I would too. Um, there's a bunch of stupid things I do. That would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so when you and um, and Yuka decided to to go move in the van, like I don't think she had a channel yet, did she? I don't think so. So yeah, I convinced her pretty soon after to do it. Um, so she had. Yeah, that's why her channel is called Van Girl Yuka. Yeah. Like, she started after we moved into the van or is she actually, she documented the process of building it a little bit in the start uh -huh. before uh -huh. we moved in. So, yeah. So what, like, what was it like basically cause you guys were going to go travel and then she was like, well, I guess I'd do a channel two and like, why not just like help you with yours? Um, I think I just wanted to keep everything separate. Uh huh. So like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not the nicest thing to talk about. Like, but if we ever split up one day, yeah, that would be like a really messy. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, yeah, and and she's got like her own voice in her way of doing things as well, and I've got my yeah. own way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, and I'm glad she made her own channel because she's got like such a strong personality uh -huh. that like her channel is like completely unique from not mine. And if we, and it's happened a couple of times, like if we make a video about the same ride, like her video is completely different than mine. Yeah. Which I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, interesting to see yeah. how two people edit the same thing. Like whenever uh, Brian and Alex were doing that, they were like going, I don't remember which one it was, but there was like, they were like both doing like videos every day on one of their trips, one of their redemption trips or something like that. And it was really interesting to see like, how one person's edit was compared to the others, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Something else. Maybe part of it is like, I, I'm not very good at collaborating, like especially in, in something like, so like 
you know, like I, uh, I'd rather have it like one vision. Uh huh. And um, yeah, I don't like. I feel like we it would cause a lot of friction in the relationship yeah. if we were both working on the same video all the time. Yeah, definitely. You know? I, yeah. I understand what you're saying, dude. I totally can understand what you're saying. I wouldn't want to do that with my lady either. But I'll, like, I think we're still unique because, like, Ryan and and uh, oh, the Lone Ranger, Beth, and Beth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Beth. <laughs> yeah, they work on it together, and then Sid and Mackie as well. So, yeah, yeah well, she's kind of doing her own thing now, though, too. Sid is, or how are we? Well, I think Mackie's still filming. Oh yeah, okay. remote for the um, the wrenching channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think they're still doing it together, though. But it's I just I don't understand why they did a separate channel. I'll tell you the truth. In the first place? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she, she said something like, oh, well, you know, we can do this thing on the side, and it does, it's not really the same as our other content. And I'm like, yeah, but what's the matter? Like, it's like, you know, like, just put it on. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But I guess it's good not to have all your eggs in one basket. I think the channel is doing quite well, though. Yeah, it is. It definitely yeah. definitely is. Um, And then I guess uh, well, another example is like Dusty Betty and Hardtail Party. Yeah. Like they, they're doing their own channels. Yeah, I haven't talked to Tess in a long time. I was actually thinking about reaching out to her to get her on on the the biker bar because hmm. I talked to to Steve just not too long ago and had him on the show, and I was like, you know, I haven't talked to her in forever. Yeah, yeah. it's funny, like small world kind of things when you're um, in, like you asked me earlier, you know, about unprofessional Kyle, and I just so happened to be riding with him, and made me think of. Like Dusty Betty was like friends with one of my friends in high school. Like I didn't even know. Oh wow! Yeah, like like later, whenever I like posted some video or something like that that she was in, and one of my my friends from high school was like, she's like, oh, that girl used to teach me how to ride horses when I was high when we were in high school. And I was like, what? Like just so like random. Like where did that come from? It's a small <laughs> world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely definitely interesting. So, so what what do you what do you um? What are you looking forward to getting to as soon as the, the cast comes off? Uh, well, I think at my, I think at this point, my muscles and tendons are pretty screwed right now uh -huh. because they're just so underused. Uh -huh. It's going to take a bit of time get, getting that, uh, getting everything working properly uh -huh. again. But yeah, I'll be like trying to get on the bike as soon as I can. That's for sure. So so even if it's just easy, easy rides, just spinning, it's nice to get outside on your, on the bike again. And yeah, but I think my range of motion and my wrist will be pretty messed up too. So it might, might be painful just to grab onto the bar because, yeah. because I have to like use my wrist a little bit to you know. this injury before with the other hand. So you kind of know what to expect at this point, huh? Yeah. Um, it was a little different on the other hand. Cause I had surgery. They put a screw in there. Mm -hmm. And then, so it was like, as it was healing, they said, okay, you can go do, um, what's it called? Physical therapy or whatever, but you can't go ride your bike yet. Mm -hmm. So by the time I could ride my bike, my, I had already had my wrist in a pretty decent mm -hmm. condition. So, but I, maybe, maybe it'll be the same way for this one. Uh, it might be that, okay, well, you can do physical therapy, but you can't ride your bike that yet. Who knows? So what was the difference in it? Was it just the way that um, that the brake was or something? Like, they, why couldn't they just chuck a screw in this one too? Yeah, I, I kind of wish they did that. But um, 
So this one actually, like the skateboard's like a little bone down here. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this, the reason I need surgery for this is because the, the bones weren't aligned anymore. Uh -huh. So they actually had to go in there and like realign the bones. And then oh, like, obviously while you're in there, you put the screw in and uh -huh. actually had to get like um, a bone graft, bone graft yeah. they took from my hip, uh -huh. which, uh, which kind of sucked. Uh -huh. But, um, but this one is still like in the right position. So it's supposed to heal on its own, but it's totally not. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's healing, but it's hard to tell from the x-ray. Because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of what the deal was with my shoulder. Like whenever I like if I would have broke my clavicle, like they would have went in and stuck some screws in there and like my my recovery time would have been so much faster. But because of like it just wasn't broke, but it was just like everything was just ripped apart. It was like it just you had to wait for your body to do whatever it was gonna do. And it was just it just took forever. It took forever. Yeah so long uh, yeah it's, uh, sometimes you would but it, obviously there's risk with surgery and all yeah. that but yeah I, like i and I, I i was watching videos on youtube like of the surgery mm -hmm. and like what they did here is like pretty hardcore because they like actually like open it up and like yeah. access the bone but if it's still in in place they actually just cut a small hole uh -huh. and then just like through that hole they'll do like drill a small hole through both bones because they're uh -huh. still lined up and then they'll just stick a screw in there so it's actually like way less invasive right so i'm like oh i wish i i wish they just did that surgery on me right away and then yeah. it would have been, been healed up a lot sooner or yeah. maybe the same but at least you know it's healing mm -hmm. when you put screw in there there's like when you put compression on a bone it actually heals faster but if it's just like floating there it doesn't heal as fast uh, so if you have the screw in there it's probably going to heal faster uh -huh. um, but then obviously you have other side effects because they actually drilled a hole through your bone right and also cut a hole in your skin to access it but right yeah at least in, in that situation you would know that it's it's healing mm -hmm. but in in this situation it seems like it's the x-ray doesn't look like it's healing so. uh -huh. are these your your two like biggest like bike injuries or have you had some other one yeah pretty much i my first year back or second year back after that teenage like the the uh -huh. gap between my teenage years i i had this bike a santa cruz bullet uh -huh. and it was like you know that old style bike and it was a size medium which is already a little too small for me and really high bottom bracket. it was pretty much the endo machine because <laughs> we went over the bars all the time uh -huh. partly because i was still getting back into it but like yeah. it was just such a short bike with a steep head angle and uh -huh. i crashed a lot on that thing and actually broke my ribs a bunch of times so yeah, exactly. my rib cage isn't very symmetrical anymore but <laughs> uh uh yeah the thing with the ribs is that it just hurts a lot but they yeah. don't really do much because like it's not really a moving part yeah it just like everything i've definitely broken my fair share of ribs and it's just like god you you like don't want to sneeze like yeah like the or word. laugh or, <laughs> or lie on your back yeah it's right. so painful yeah, yeah. yeah but definitely. actually it's funny after i broke my ribs all those times i uh basically i could still ride pretty easily because you're kind of hunched over when you're riding so right still go ride but like laughing or or sneezing yeah. or just yeah. lying down in the bed was like super painful so 
Yeah, I just remember getting out of bed in the morning was always like you just just kind of like slide out instead of trying to like roll over and sit up, you know, because then like actuated your your abs. You were just like, oh, this is so bad. When I did this, I actually had the gimbal on my chest Uh um, with a GoPro on it. And I landed like hand out and then like my chest hit second. Uh And I'm pretty sure I broke like my sternum. Oh no. It was so the first two weeks like in bed was pretty painful, like just trying to roll over and stuff. Yeah. So and Yuka would make me laugh. I'm like, don't make me laugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> so but yeah, but it's like that I already had broken my ribs and I was totally not worried about that. But yeah, yeah, it's uh just painful. It was a lot yeah. more painful than this, actually, but this is way has way more impact on my life. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you there. I definitely hear you there. So, um, I don't know if you had this before or maybe you will now, like, do you think that you're going to have some like fear to overcome? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so when I did this one, I was just so eager to get back on the bike. There wasn't that much fear. And actually like, how long ago was it? Uh, I don't know. It was before the YouTube channel. So probably like four years ago years ago then okay yeah and i broke it in the whistler bike park by like misreading a feature uh-huh. and then it was healed by the like a week before the bike park closed and i went back to the bike park and i think i rode that feature before it closed i think uh-huh. and uh, but uh yeah i was as soon as i could get on the bike i was just so eager to even ride again i, I didn't have too much fear mm-hmm. so yeah you think it'll be that way? I mean, because you have a lot more like on the line at this point, you know, like it's your your job and everything. Yeah, so, that's like, true. like, do you think that you'll be more timid, or do you plan to be more timid, or do you plan on like just taking it with stride and being like, I don't know? It seems like Seth, like when he breaks something, he's just like, yeah, well, it healed. Okay, keep going. You know, yeah. I I'm already pretty like calculating mm-hmm. when I ride. And I don't crash that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is pretty unique, I would say. So yeah. I don't think I would change too much. Like it's part of the sport. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's for me, it's really satisfying to be able to like push my limits a little bit and do new stuff. So yeah. I don't want that to go away either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I am. Um, I've definitely been doing that more in the last. I don't know if it's like just been the last year or two. I don't know what it, what it is, but like for a long time I rode mountain bikes and I just like would go out and ride. And I don't like, I never was really like getting better. You you know what I mean? Like it was Mm -hmm. just like just riding and like I did different rides, but I didn't, I didn't really get better. And for, for whatever reason in like the last two years, my skill sets like, definitely like dramatically change and i don't know what to attribute that to you know well i think it's important when you're riding to not ride past all the features Mm -hmm. like take the even if maybe you don't ride it that day take the time and look at it Mm -hmm. and and kind of scope it out and and then if you can ride it session it but -hmm. if you can't ride it at least you know what you're in for the next time you go by and uh and and then maybe next time it won't look so scary anymore. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's important to like just 
just push yourself a little bit. Like don't, don't send stuff like when you're not comfortable, but just push yourself a little bit. And then obviously have someone like, like my friend Antoine, I was saying it's, it's been fantastic riding with him because he's better than me. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to follow him over a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. It really builds your confidence when you're, when you're doing new things. So and a lot of it's just confidence. Like mm-hmm. you probably have the ability to do a lot of stuff, but you might, it might just look a little funny or, yeah. or you're just like, you know, you don't, you don't have a lot of experience on that kind of feature, but mm-hmm. definitely if, if, it, if it was like in a skill park, you could do it, but it, now it's on the trail and a different context, maybe you wouldn't do it, but mm-hmm. at least just take a look and, 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 and scope it out a little bit. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe somebody will ride by and they'll do it. And you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And, Actually, it's hilarious. Like uh, a couple more than a couple times, like Yuka will like she she sends some pretty big stuff, mm-hmm. and I've seen her do some stuff. Was my mind, dude? I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and so she'll do something. Like I remember in whole enchilada, she did the she did these drops, uh-huh. and then and then a bunch of guys come down the trail and they saw her do this, and she's like, oh, she can do it. I should be doing that. And it was almost a they had to prove themselves because they were yeah. men yeah, yeah, and they went over and they were so sketchy, but they thought because a girl did it that so at least like within reason, yeah, like, <laughs> don't push yourself too much, but like, at least like, you know, if, if you think you can do it, give it a try. Yeah. What, but, but don't let gender like cloud your vision, you know, that's not a thing for me, dude. I, I yeah, yeah. I'll be like that. So I'm out of class. That was cool. She did it. You know, like that doesn't, that, mm. But what do you do to like kind of like talk those like the the bad thoughts out of your head when you're trying to talk yourself into doing something? I used to be really terrible at that. Like yeah. it because I really think about everything in my life and I think, you know, just like I'll just dwell on something, you know. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of th- times it's really good because I really think stuff through, but like often the mountain bike trail if you think too much about it it's a bad, bad thing because you're just like thinking about what could go wrong and all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I found one of my tricks is that I just tell myself how fun it'll be Mm -hmm. to do it and how stoked I'll be if I do it. Mm -hmm. Just just force myself to think only about that. And just that pushes out like all those negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. That seems to help a lot as well. Um, that road gap video I had, I, it was a kind of a weird situation because it was all of a sudden like this 12 foot drop over a road. Mm-hmm. And then I hadn't done any drops, anything before that all day. So I was not warmed up at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it was a weird run in because it was just like, there's no trail leading up to it. It was just like this one off feature. So I really had to like, get myself in the right mindset mm-hmm. and it's, it was, I always feel kind of embarrassed about it, but it was the way I, I went about it. But I just basically ran up and down with my bike and like rolled into it, ran back up, rolled into it, ran back up rolled, and then like really got my heart rate up and kind of that like adrenaline going. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I just reached that tipping point and my brain's like, yep, go for it. Cause I, yeah, and like a lot of times, my brain just says no, and I hit the brakes, and yeah. it's it's super frustrating. But 
Yeah, and sometimes that, like hitting the brakes thing is like what ends up getting you hurt because you're just like totally. Yeah, you. you I know. I, I've definitely done it on some features where I'm like trying to like roll something or whatever, and it's like, dude, I, I have definitely more than once in my like even probably in the last few weeks out loud said, let go of the brakes, you know, like to myself, yeah. you know, like let go of the brakes, you know, totally. And yeah, you think you're like, okay, I'm going to death grip it. But then you're, you not even, you don't even consciously think about it, but your, your fingers go back to the brakes and you hit the brakes. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But, but we're like, we're humans and <laughs> our brain is trying to save us. Yeah. But, yeah. And it, but it doesn't know it's it's not always the smartest thing you know like it yeah yeah so. i've definitely um i think getting towed into stuff helps and i think also mm -hmm. on those like fast gnarly trails when something just comes up and your only option is to like handle it yeah those are the, like for me i think probably the most like inspiring or like how i feel like i learn the most because it's like later i can reflect on that and be like look dude you didn't even know that drop was coming and you did it and yeah. you die, you know, like you didn't everything that you, if, if I would have stopped and looked at that thing, I would have been like, no way, but I came around the corner. I was already going freaking way fast. And that's what happened. You, totally. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so those ones are the ones where it's like, then I can reflect on, or it's like looking at this, like, like maybe some rock roll and be like, okay, well, this is not any worse than, x rock roll that i did in this other trail system you know and so that that kind of helps but yeah yeah yuka does that a lot like is this drop bigger than the a-line rock drop or smaller yeah. and oftentimes it's smaller because the a-line drop rock drop is pretty big yeah but um yeah and then she'll use that as like her motivation yeah but um yeah she has a lot of she 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 has no she doesn't overthink stuff which is yeah. i wish i had sometimes but at the same time, it also means that she's often quite sketchy. Yeah. And that my other friend that, that I was uh, alluding to earlier, like he was quite, quite sketchy, but he's able to just like turn his brain off. Yeah. That's our buddy Moonlight Leatherfoot. He, he does that. Yeah. It like doesn't, what, there's like nothing there like telling him not to do it. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and his lines aren't always the cleanest. Like he, when you were explaining your friend where you like, don't like following him that like, that's kind of how I am with him. Like he, he's a great rider. Yeah. If I follow his lines, dude, I will die. Like somehow he goes through it and it's like, fucking like, you know, like a pinball just working his way through shit. It just works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I've, I've, I definitely know a few people like that. Yeah. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. Like everyone with uh, Phil, Phil Metz. Uh huh. And, and, he's just like so good mm -hmm. and such a capable rider and not sketchy at all, mm -hmm. but you're following him and you don't even understand what he just did. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, like, and, but maybe, maybe a different context. I would, if I was following someone close to my skill level that uh -huh. did it, then I would probably do it. I remember I followed, he, he did this like a little kicker uh -huh. and he went so much higher than I expected him to go. I just went around because I didn't understand what, he, what happened there. <laughs> like, yeah. cause he can pop so hard off the lip. Uh -huh. And I was just like, and it's so, totally something I could have done, yeah. but I didn't, it was su surprised me so much. I'm like, what the hell I'm going around now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't ridden with Phil. I, I mean, him and I have talked a few times. We've met a few times, but I've never ridden with him. So I should do that next time. 
He's, he's yeah, he's got skills. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's yeah. very, he's probably, I would say he's pro of the, of like the, the YouTubers or like on the non-professional, like non, non-pro rider YouTubers. He's probably, yeah. I would say he's probably the best rider of, out of yeah. all of us. So yeah. He's I'm crazy. Not, I'm not even on that scale of, of rider rider quality. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have fun. That's all I can do. Yeah, that's that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's go ride your bike. I think that's why we all do it. Right? Yeah, for sure. We're getting close, man. That that went by pretty quick. It's been super fun chatting with you, man. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, was, I enjoyed it too. Yeah. I was a little nervous before, but it's been yeah, good. Yeah, most people most people tell me that when we get off they're they're like man i was nervous before but you, you know once you get to talking it's just like two dudes talking you know and it's yeah talk about something you enjoy yeah i'm not looking at the chat yeah i don't I'm look at the chat because i don't want to be distracted <laughs> yeah sometimes i do sometimes i don't but i mean it is what it is and that's one of the things though when i started this was like i didn't want this to be like uh, respond to the chat kind of, of thing. Like people are there in the chat. If they say something that catches my eye and I want to talk about it, then yes. But like, mm. I didn't want it to be like this, like dictated by, by the people watching. Cause what really like, I, I really liked listening to like Joe Rogan. Have you ever listened to his podcast? I was just watching him before I uh, um, came on with you. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't watch everything. I usually just watch, when he has someone I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about what I do. Or I'll listen to his, like when we do like big road trips, cause his are like three hours long. So it's like yeah, real easy to listen to somebody that you're interested in for that amount of time. And I just really like how the conversation flows and it can go whichever way it wants. And that's why I don't have like questions. Like I've had people ask me before, like, do you have a list of questions? I'm like, uh, no clue, dude. I don't know yeah. what to talk about, man. <laughs> like other than bikes, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do like to ask people though at the end of the podcast, always like, what other YouTube channels do you watch? Like whether it's mountain biking or not mountain biking. Like what what have you what do you like watching? Yeah, I was expecting this question, so I thought about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, there's this channel called Bad Obsession Motorsport. Uh-huh. And they uh they build like race cars. Uh-huh. And it's like a British channel and uh, they really like kind of had this dry humor, but they're also super talented with what they build. <laughs> yeah. So it's like really like uh, different than uh, like one of those American um, car channels, you know? So uh-huh. I, I really enjoy that one. Um, uh, I've been watching like, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll like binge on someone's channel for a couple of weeks just uh-huh. because like, I don't know just get get it through my head and then i'll go yeah, yeah. so there's like this tektronics channel where he just fixes like game consoles it's oh, really yeah. like meditative like like it's just relaxing watching him like fix a nintendo switch like, yeah <laughs> like, I, okay. I do something to some like old playstation the other day it was like take it apart and cleaned it and like changed yeah. the cd-rom and like made it work again i was like that's really cool man there's so many channels why. like that yeah it's like one of those things that you just like i just spent like 15 minutes of my life watching something that has like absolutely no like purpose to my life like why did i do that like sometimes yeah. i feel guilty but uh um, well it's just entertainment yeah yeah and i i guess like i just have to chalk it up as that you know sometimes i don't think about it that way you're like that was mindless why did i watch 15 minutes of cat videos 
Like yeah. TikTok. Have you, do you ever get on TikTok? No, I oh, don't. Dude, it's, a, it's a time suck, man. Like <laughs> you're just like, oh, I'll just see something funny there for a second. And then like an hour goes by and you're like, where did the time go? Like, and, and all you yeah. watch is like people like doing like fail type of stuff or like make an ass out of themselves singing or something, you know? Yeah. I think I know there's this ch- subreddit on Reddit called YouTube haiku. Uh-huh. And it's, I think it's basically TikTok before TikTok. And uh-huh. I get to it like to the 200th post. They're basically all 30 second memes, like video uh-huh. memes. Just like, and it's I'm like, okay, after the next one, I'm going to stop. Okay. After the next one, I'm going to stop. <laughs> What the hell? Like I'm, I'm not stopping. I can't. They're just all so amusing and just like I don't know this little hit of dopamine every everyone everyone you hit, you know. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah, man. Well, hey, dude, it's been super fun, man, having you on the show for sure. And all you guys out there listening, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do that because I am watching the subscribers on this channel purely to decide whether or not I'm going to continue doing this podcast. So I had a goal of how many subscribers I want to be at in a year from when I started this season two, and we're not even close. So if you're thinking about subscribing, if you've enjoyed this, this podcast or any other live streams in the past, hit the subscribe button, because that's what's definitely going to make sure that this keeps happening. If you like what you saw, hit the thumbs up, man, seriously. Um, it, it, it means a lot to see that leave a comment too. Like those are fun. I like, like chatting back with all you guys out there. That's when I pay attention to you guys. If you leave a comment, I'll talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like I said at the beginning, man, if you guys want to help sponsor the show or the channels, channels, channel, channels, both of them, the, the biker Patreon is the way to go. But if you don't want to do that, you don't want to do a monthly subscription. You can swing by shop.biker.com. You can pick up a hat or a shirt that helps too. So I really, um, really appreciate all you guys out there tuning in every week. And and same thing with you, Eric, man, it, it's been awesome having you on the show. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun chatting for sure, dude. Yeah. Um, Got anything to say to the people before we split? Um, thanks for watching and staying early. Right on, man. So I'll go ahead and sign out. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>